your Holy Spirit upon Jackie as she joins us from South Africa, that she will share what's on her heart and we may be receptive to listen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you notice in this passage that the disciples are looking for Jesus? It's almost as if there is a determination in them to find him. If you look at the beginning of verse 1 in chapter 11, it actually says that he was praying in a certain place, and when he was finished, the disciples approached him, and they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. So, so when we come to this incredible passage about prayer, it actually gives us a hint about the way we approach Jesus, with the way we approach prayer, is that there is almost a, a determination in ourselves that has to be settled when we come to prayer. So they waited for him. They were observing him. And if you, if you come to the context, I just want to see, is this microphone working? So if I leave the pulpit, okay, great. So if you, if you come to the context, you see a little bit about what's happening. Because, you know, we, we, are, not, we are not one moment in time, as you know, that we are what's happening around us. As a mother, I've shared with you the incredible journey it has been to have my daughter leave the home, and not just leave home, but leave the country. Literally, it's thrown our worlds upside down. So what's happening to me in that moment as a mother affects every part of my being. My whole being is touched by that one incident. Have a look at what's happening with Jesus' disciples. Just before his disciples come to him and ask him to teach them to pray, you know that he's had that conversation with Mary and Martha. And Martha's been busy and she's been serving and she's been preparing. And, and he comes to her and says, but Martha, there's something in what Mary is doing. There's, there's something in her, in her determination to come and to sit and to wait for the mystery of the things of God. And, and a little bit before that, you'll know that when the disciples are wondering about who was great, Jesus comes and he settles that with them. A little bit before that, Jesus teaches on the Good Samaritan and, and explains to them how we understand love. And that's what we really embrace in moments of, of unity when it comes to prayer. To love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so, so you can see that, that Jesus is building a way of life for the disciples. He's already sent out the 72. We see that he's determined to prepare to leave for Jerusalem. So he'd patterned a way of life for his disciples. There was a convincing inside of them that was already stirring in their souls. Until they get to a point where they are ready to be surrendered and they actually wait for him. And they say, teach us to pray. I wonder whether there must be some kind of a stirring in us before we reach the moment where we want to just pray. The disciples come and they say, we want more. You remember John? Well, 
Well, he taught his disciples how to pray, so we want you to teach us to pray. They are seeking to pattern themselves on the very life that Jesus had offered. There there is a determination in the disciples. It's almost as if they are saying, I am ready. There is a readiness stirring within them to come to, to understand that moment of prayer. I wonder too about your life and I wonder about your context. What, 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 what happens within your world? What resolution comes to you when you get ready to come to a moment of complete surrender and of prayer? So last year, we, we took a trip to Jerusalem. Anybody been to the Holy Land? Anyone taken one of those pilgrimages and... We went out into the Galilean region, and you know how Jesus teaches in the Galilean region, and, and he gets a little bit irritated with the people that he'd been preaching to, and, he, and, and a couple of verses before that, he goes and he gets really cross with um, the three regions, Capernaum, he moans at the people from Capernaum, he moans at the people um, from Chorazim, and he moans at the people from Bethsaida. He'd been doing many miracles in the, in the area, and so he gets to a moment where he, he began, begins to be irritated with their inability to listen. His disciples have been observing. They've been watching. And the one thing they had observed is Jesus settles everything in prayer. He settles everything in prayer. And so we are called as people of faith to surrender ourselves to prayer, almost to be ready to pray. So I want to suggest this morning that when we come to this passage in in Luke chapter 11 and and when we read aspects of how Jesus teaches us to pray, whether we read it a little bit earlier on in Luke 6 or even in Matthew's gospel, there needs to be a readiness in us not to hold back. Almost that resolution to surrender. And so Jesus begins to teach them how to pray. And, he, and he, he gives them what we now call the Lord's Prayer. And I want to just, just spend a few moments just holding that prayer this morning before you. And we, we, we've had so many people over generations come and hold that prayer up to us. To give us a pattern of prayer for ourselves. And, and so let, let's have a look at a, at a couple of elements of that prayer this morning. In many ways, the the prayer that Jesus teaches us is almost like a one-stop shop prayer. It's it's kind of, it's all there. It's all in that prayer. And so Jesus begins by by starting with our Father. And he he holds the our Father. Isn't it it a miracle and isn't it incredible how how when we talk about, about unity and our unity, that we know that that prayer translates every context. It, trans- it, it, it bursts itself through even distances of land and, and, and various cultures and creeds. Right in the bottom of Africa, we hold that prayer. And when we speak about our Father, and when you hear speak about our Father, 
And I know that this church is filled with so many different nations of people that gather in worship and just glimpse for us a picture of heaven. We actually say the same thing. We connect ourselves with one another. We say, our Father. We make a de declaration that we are together something special, that there is family, that, that there is this incredible bond between us. We might never have met one another. We might never have seen one another. And yet we declare our unity in that prayer. Our Father. And so there's a sense that we belong to one another, that we are connected with one another. So Jesus is not only the, the author of our being, not only does God breathe life into us, but he breathes a relationship that completely redefines humanity in this very prayer. Our Father. It doesn't even matter what denomination we come from. We hold that unifying prayer. The beginning of the patterning of our faith brings us into a space of reconciliation with one another. We are delivered into reconciliation and we discover that we belong together in the Our Father. And so what, what is so incredible about the prayer is that, that we, we not only does, does Jesus teach us to pray to the Father that brings all humanity together. But our Father in heaven, Jesus shows us, sees us. The very intricate detail of who we are. God sees. God sees the joy that we are celebrating. God sees the burdens that we are carrying. God hears the longings of our heart. Even when we can't form the words, God hears, sees, and holds us. And so Jesus begins to, to change and repattern the way humanity will be forever. And then he goes straight into this prayer. And I mean, this prayer is incredible in the petitions that it holds before us. It, it's so bold that it actually speaks about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Suddenly, Jesus brings down heaven to earth. Suddenly, Jesus bursts into our imagination what it means to have heaven on earth and, and, and brings down this radical idea that God's will will be done on earth as it is determined in heaven. So in life, we, we seek meaning. In life, we, we seek purpose. In, in faith, we often try and imagine what life is all about. And here in this prayer, we begin to see hints that hold us beyond the world that we live in. Is that God is always brooding over us. And there is a pattern to our lives way beyond the experience that we find ourselves in. Because we have a place to go with our petitions. And we can call down heaven on earth. 
You know, sometimes we become so locked into earth that we forget that it's actually heaven's power that we get to call down. I wonder to myself whether, whether the disciples in, in a few days that would eventually follow would begin to, to move towards Jerusalem and they would begin to see their world turned upside down. I wonder how this prayer would have held them in chaos. You know, sometimes it's actually easier to pray in chaos. We have a reason to long for God's deliverance and power. The place that is most dangerous is in fact where everything is fine. And there is nothing in our world that is too disrupted or too disturbed or too uncomfortable that we don't have to call the presence of heaven down because what we have is just okay. And it's almost as if that in itself is far more dangerous than the chaos that we experience. Because when in chaos, we know that we're not in control. In chaos, we know that we seek a power beyond ourselves. But when it is all so fine, then we find us in ourselves a self-sufficiency that in fact strangles the soul. And so Jesus wants us to bring down heaven to earth and, and he patterns that for us. And then he does the most incredible thing. Mm. And the next couple of verses, he, he brings us into the everyday reality. Give us this day. Isn't it an amazing privilege to be given this day? A few moments, a few days before I traveled, I... Now, I've had the privilege, and I'm sure Tony and the team um, will often share with you, one of the most sacred moments that we get to share as people is, is in, in, in times of death and in times of, of journeying with families and funerals. And it's an incredible privilege. And last, last, the year before last, I conducted 52 funerals, Tony. It was a lot. A lot of funerals. But what an incredible privilege. And... Nothing you can serve, and, and it is such a sacred space, but when, when you touch your own family's pain and mourning in those places, it just, it changes everything. My mother-in-law is not well at all, and she's really sick at the moment. Whenever we're confronted with illness or people that are around us, or when something might have happened in your life, suddenly, this day, takes on new meaning. This day, because all we have is this day. We, we don't really have anything sure about tomorrow. We have lived what we have lived, but we have this day. And it's a gift for us. And, and this prayer that Jesus brings us is, is a gift to embrace the, the treasure of this day, this time this place, this moment, this bread, this life. What in this moment does God want to take and shape and heal and reimagine for us this day? And, and, and what needs do we have this day? What do you need this day? What do you need today?
And so God wants to hold the treasure of this day before us. And, and in it is the sacrament of holiness. And then the most radical thing about this entire pattern of prayer. God calls us to confront our sin. God calls us to measure our debt and then to radically forgive, to radically come to a moment that forgives. You see, there's this thread that comes from heaven to earth that says you just do not get to make life unless you live in an attitude of holding this moment as sacred, but also offering the gift of forgiveness and to allow ourselves to be forgiven. What do you need to forgive? What sits in, in your heart? You see, because, because basically Jesus knew that if we didn't come to a place of forgiveness and if we didn't forgive others, we would ultimately either be filled with guilt for our own sin or immobilized by bitterness. And somehow we have to come to the tension of our lives, to the gift of our lives as we bring heaven down to earth and to actually choose to be forgiven and then choose to forgive so guilt and bitterness do not keep us in a stranglehold. Because there is a sense that our soul depends on being forgiven and our life depends on forgiving. It doesn't disqualify the pain that it might have been caused to us. But if bitterness takes root in our lives, it disqualifies our souls from experiencing life in all its fullness. And then Jesus goes on to speak about how we were not meant to be called into times of, of trials and tribulations, but that God would deliver us. And finally in this prayer, he brings down this doxology that speaks about thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And we pick that up later on in scriptures. There is a determination in the disciples to actually seek the mystery of what sits in the life that Jesus offers. And the mystery that sits there is his ability to come to God in prayer. And they get to that point when they say, we are ready. We're actually ready. We are ready to learn how to pray. And Jesus then teaches them to pray. He gives them the pattern to pray. And for hundreds of years, we've been sitting with this pattern and we've been holding this pattern from one generation to the next. And so we build that into our lives to this day, every day. And then finally, in this passage, he kind of, he, he almost summarizes it for us. I don't know. Um, and he gives a story about somebody that gets visitors in the middle of the night and, and they come and they're like, uh, we, we need something to eat. Imagine if I did that to you, Tony. So, so uh, do you, you know, and he says, whatever you ask in my name. Um, so I spend, I have young, well, I have what they call 23-year-old and a, and a 22, well, 24 and 23 children. So I've just kind of whizzed past the teenage years and young adult years got a bit gray 
thanks to highlights, it helps a lot. Um, but I don't know about you, um, but young people have a certain lingo. They have language that they use, okay? And I learned this from teenagers and young adults. And it's like, if you ask them to do something and they're not wild about it and you, know, you debate with them, they turn around to you and they say, whatever. And I, I've tried to figure out, like, um, and I asked Chris, Chris, like, does whatever translate? And so if I said to you, whatever, would that translate? So, you know, it's like, if you say so, you know, um, and it kind of, you know, you kind of sit there and not, as a parent think, hmm, you know. So I'm through that phase. I'm happy to say I'm on the back end of that. I have a wonderful daughter now. She listens to everything I say. She does everything I tell her to do. And, ah, oh, yes, whatever. Um, but, you know, I think we can come to that same attitude. You know, I think that, that Jesus comes to his disciples and he's, he's patterning this prayer. He waits for the moment of surrender. And he's trying to say to them, it really doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter what you ask for. I mean, you've just got to ask. You've got to seek. You've got to knock. You're going to find. I mean, he just, he, I mean, he can't do more in the passage. Because he's trying to say, like, whatever you ask for, whatever it is, I mean, it, it could feel so trivial. It could feel so mad, whatever. But there is a sense, and we like, we don't believe it. It's like, whatever. But, but it's like, whatever we ask for. He will give us. I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what you're seeking. I, I have a sense of what I'm seeking for, but so often we have to be reminded that when we're seeking, we need to be reminded where to go. We need to be knocking and knocking and the door will open. And we're not going to get scorpions and we're not going to be fed snake. We're going to be given bread. So whatever you are bringing to God today, whatever it is this day, Know that God will answer your prayer, whatever. If, are you ready? Are you ready to come to that moment where you're ready to surrender yourself to prayer? And, and it's here for you. It's here for me. And whatever. You know, Sangster said, if, you, if you're too busy to pray, you are too busy. Whatever you ask in my name. Ask, seek, knock. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we just thank you that the whatevers that we have in our lives, you know. You know the longing of our heart. You know the, the aching of our souls. You, you know the prayers that we pray and actually cannot imagine them to really be at the throne of grace. We want to lose control of our limited faith. We want to be determined to trust you, to love you. We thank you, God, that you don't give up on us. We want to be shameless and bold in our prayer. And we thank you, God, that you are our Father. And so can we go as we enter this new year praying shameless, bold prayers? 
not because of our ability to pray, but because of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jackie. And one of those things that we need to ask for at the moment in this divided world is for unity and to live that unity, to model it as Christians in Christ. And so we're going to sing, What Shall Our Greeting Be? Sign of 